thank you. Thank you all, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, welcome to Troy Church. There's something that uh, we wanted to mention to you. Uh, if you were here last week, you saw we introduced you to uh, Colby Wheeler and his wife. And uh, they are uh, someone that we want you to look at. We, we're looking at them as candidates for our new family pastor role, the role that we uh, told you about a couple of weeks ago where we had started searching for someone. And we believe this is the guy. And we're uh, presenting to you uh, for two weeks. We were halfway through that. Last week was week one. This is week two. And so we would love to hear any feedback that you have, any questions that you have. Um, uh, we would love to talk to you about that. You can uh, talk to any one of our elders, myself, Zach, Adam, Rhett. Uh, we would love to talk to you about that if you have any questions or just want to know uh, more about uh, Kobe. Um, and so... Uh, I'm not Zach, as uh, as I mentioned before. I'm not him. I am Jordan. Adam, hey, one through third. Yes, right. I forgot. That's the last thing Zach told me. He said, "Hey, dismiss the first through third graders. Now is your time to leave if you want to. Uh, if you don't want to, you're you're probably going. You have a better time up there. Trust me. You're going to want to go. Uh, yeah. So first through third, you are dismissed and and going to head up to kids. So. Again, I want to thank you all on behalf of Troy Church for spending your Sunday with us, uh, trusting us with your Sunday. Uh, we'll be looking at John 13 today, continuing on down the John Road. Uh, we're going to learn a little bit about foot washing. Now, the last few weeks as a church, we've been doing something a little different, a time of welcome. We did it today, a time of fellowship where we, uh, where we stand and, and greet one another and shake one another's hands uh, and uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and I love that. Uh, but today we are going to take it to a whole other level, okay? So just wait until you see what we got planned. Y'all can, uh, can go ahead and start taking your shoes off now if you want to. Uh, I do think I brought enough towels. It just depends on how dirty uh, all of our feet are. Uh, I'm just kidding as far as you know. We're not going to wash anybody's feet today as far as you know. Uh, but I am George Bertram. I'm one of the elders here at Troy Church. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of background on me for those of you who may not know me, may not know me very well. Uh, I'm a mumbler. So good luck trying to follow me today, uh, especially when I get nervous. When I get nervous, I mumble and I talk really, really fast. And I will cry at a moment's notice. Uh, you never know when I'm going to break out crying, okay? So you put these three things together and Chris tells me it's my perfect storm, right? But uh, I'm going to try to keep these things under control today. Um, try is what I said I'm going to do. Um, I'm also a big movie guy. If uh, I have any conversation with anybody, I try to work in at least one movie reference. Uh, I'm also going to try to keep that under control because I do realize I'm older than most of you. Most of my references are from the 80s and the 90s, and a lot of people just don't get it. Okay, so we're going to keep that to a minimum today, too. You can quiz me on movie trivia later. I do know a lot about movies. I'd be glad to, I'd be glad to talk to you about it. Uh, I'm pretty old. I'm 42. I've been married to Kristen, this lovely lady right over here for the past 21 years. She has been lucky, lucky, the luckiest woman I've known for the past 21 years. Uh, we have a 16-year-old daughter, Emma. She's back in the back, probably ducking her head right now. And my 13-year-old son, Jack, he's over there with his mama. Uh, I was saved at the age of 11 in a small missionary Baptist church in a town where I grew up. Um, as an 11-year-old boy, I didn't really know what to do with this newfound Jesus, right? Okay, I didn't grow up uh, in the church. I didn't grow up uh, going to church every Sunday, so I didn't, I didn't know where to turn to for guidance. I didn't know what I was supposed to do, you know? Um, I really tr struggled trying to figure that out, um, but I f and then I found myself turning more and more to the world uh, for guidance more than I was uh, turning to Jesus because I didn't really even know what it meant to turn to Jesus for guidance. But I could figure the world out pretty easy. Uh, it's kind of easy to get a hold of the world. You just do whatever makes you feel good. 
uh, and boy did I. I mean, I did it. I still went to church regularly uh, as, a, as a young man, uh, but as soon as it was over, I was right back out into the world. Um, as I became an older teenager, uh, I basically went to church for show. All my friends were at church, so I went to church. All the girls were at church. I wanted to be where all the girls were, so I went to church. It's a true story, you know, and so that's basically why I went. And I remember, like, some of the guys would make jokes about, well, it don't matter what got him here as long as he's here. Well, it kind of mattered what got me there. But, uh, but anyway, you know, I want to go find him and say, no, you're a little, that's not the right attitude to have. But anyway, uh, when I was about 17, I had an epiphany. I came to a realization that I, uh, that I was a hypocrite. I was about the biggest one there was, too. This is that really fast talking part. I'm going to slow it down. We'll slow it down right now. So, I was a hypocrite. Pretty good hypocrite. I, I knew what I was doing Monday through Saturday. And then I knew, see what I was trying to portray that I was on Sunday. And I just decided this is, uh, I'm being fake. I'm being false. And so I needed to make a decision. And so I did. Uh, I walked away from church all together, which was not a great decision. Uh, but it's the one I went with. You know, the world was what I knew. The world was what I was comfortable with. And when I say, I call these my Forrest Gump years, okay, because when I say I walked away, that's an understatement. I didn't just walk away. I was running. That's my <laughs> Forrest Gump right there. Yes, Forrest Gump, ladies and uh, I mean, I busted the braces off my legs. I ran down the driveway, smoke behind me, the truck chasing me. Lord was driving the truck. I said, catch me if you can, pal. I'm running. Uh, but I didn't realize that you can't outrun God. Amen. You can't. I tried, and I couldn't. Uh, I ran about as far as I could. I ran and ran and ran. And who do you think was right there waiting on me when I got done running? The Lord was. The Lord was there. Um, I was 19 years old. Uh, it was 1998, uh, June 2nd, 1998, I believe. Um, I found myself lying in a, a hotel room in Panama City. Uh, couldn't move, couldn't stand, couldn't walk, couldn't think, couldn't function, couldn't do nothing because I had poured so many different things into my body uh, that I had nearly lost my life. I was that close. And I had a moment with God right there in that, in that hotel room. I started to realize for the first time then uh, I started to understand who Jesus was and what, what he was and what that meant. I started to realize that he loves his own and he loves them to the end. Yeah. This was great news for me and it is still great news for us today. I want to recap a little bit of last week, the end of chapter 12, uh, what Zach uh, talked about. We had the welcome back Lazarus party. Hey, glad you're back, pal. We're going to have a party for you now. Uh, Mary's going to jump down and wash your feet with some oil. Everybody's going to look at her like she's weird, not really know what's going on. Uh, and what's the point? What's the point of the whole thing? Zach told us last week, what's the point? The point is Jesus. And we're going to get to see, spoiler alert this week, the point still is Jesus. Okay. Um, this is where Jesus is making a hard pivot, like what Zach talked about last week. He's been out ministering, but he's making a hard shift now, and he's gathering up, gathering, reclusing gathering back with his own uh, because he knows that the end is near, okay? So he wants to have some family time. He wants to gather up his boys around him, give them some final instruction. Uh, he's not forsaking the world. Uh, we just saw at the end of verse 12 he was sent to save the world. He's not, he's not forgetting about the world, okay? Uh, he just needs to gather up his own for some final instruction, okay? He, he is loving the lost always, but the, t the end is near, 
and he needs to tell his fellows some final instruction. So we're going to pick up in John chapter 13. We're going to read the first few verses here, and then we will discuss that. John 13, chapter, oh, chapter 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, taking the towel. He tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wash them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Okay, so in chapter 12, I said we just saw Mary do uh, anoint Jesus' feet and then wipe it with his hair, and they didn't understand. And now, in the middle of supper, in the middle of this meal, we see Jesus get up, take off his, uh, his clean clothes, you know, take off his outer garments, get down to his uh, dirty clothes, and, uh, and do the same thing. He didn't use his hair, but, you know, he had a towel. Uh, but, uh, and so i got to wonder, what are they thinking? What are the disciples thinking? We see a couple different things here. Uh, I like the way John describes Jesus, Jesus knowing all things. The Father had given all things into his hands because Jesus is the point. Jesus, Jesus is kind of a big deal here, okay? He is the whole point, beginning and end. He is it. If anybody deserves to have their feet scrubbed down, it is Jesus. But what does he do? Like I said, he strips him out of clothes off, grabs a towel, and he takes on the task usually reserved for servants. And knowing full well what was to come, he washed all 12 of his disciples' feet. He washed Judas' feet as well, knowing that Judas was close to betraying him. The devil had already put it in his heart to betray him. He knew that tomorrow, or, or I think about tomorrow, Judas is going to dump him off on a bunch of soldiers for some change, for some silver change, and then that was going to be it. Uh, but what did Jesus do? Jesus washed his feet also. Now, I might have washed his feet. I mean, I'm not Jesus, but I might have washed his feet if I'd have had to, but I probably, uh, I wouldn't have given much care to it. I would have squeezed him a little. I would have squeezed him toes or something. <laughs> At least looked at him dirty, you know. Uh, I'd have done something. But how many times, I was thinking, how many times are we Judas in this story? How many times do we act like Judas? Turning from Jesus, running from Jesus. That's what I did. Uh, turning to the world. But he still washed Jesus' feet, knowing full well what was to come. He's still washing her feet. Let's look at Peter's reaction to this. We're going to pick up in verse 6. Uh, old Peter. Now, I like Peter. So here we go. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Peter got to be asking questions. Jesus answered him, What I'm doing, you do not understand now. But afterward, you will understand. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Uh, now we're going to look at these. We're going to look at these in the GIV version too. I forgot to tell you all that. We're going to be learning from the Georgia International Version today. So if I, 
I may not go word for word on the quoting, but it's all right. That's the way I, that's the way I like to do it. Uh, but Peter's reaction, uh, he reminds me a lot of myself. You know, it's the first thing question, to question, whoa, wait a minute, you're going you're gonna to wash my feet. That's the same thing. I'm this way a lot. I can probably imagine Peter's looking at him thinking, if anything, I should be washing your feet. Uh, you are the Messiah. We, should, we need to serve you. You're a big deal. Um, but Jesus, uh, probably shaking his head, doggone it, Peter, you know, just bear with me here. Easy with the questions. Jack, uh, Jack's a, Jack likes to ask me a million questions anytime we're doing anything. My son, he's 13, very inquisitive young man, uh, but he's a details kind of guy. Anything we're doing, he's got to know detail by detail by detail what's going on here, okay? I was a lot like that when I was a young man, so I guess he gets it naturally. I can remember... Uh, you know, being with my daddy and, and uh, him working on something, and I would say, "Hey, why are you doing, uh, why are you doing that, or why are you doing that in this way?" And and daddy uh, would just look at me and be like, "If you'll just watch, you'll see. If you'll just hold on, and you'll see." Uh, and so uh, I couldn't see the big picture. Daddy knew the big picture, but I couldn't see it. Um, Peter can't see the big picture here. He doesn't understand that Jesus has to wash his feet. He doesn't get it. Uh, I think uh, one reason that Peter doesn't want Jesus to wash his feet, uh, uh, again, this is a lot, uh, reminds me way too much of myself, and, it, and it, I hate that about myself, but he still thinks that he has to do something for Jesus to earn his salvation instead of Jesus doing something for him. Peter feels like he is the one who should be doing the work and not letting Jesus do the work that he must do. I feel like it's the same thing we do today. Uh, uh, a works-based faith, a works-based faith, is a lot easier to accept. Uh, it's easier to accept that we control our salvation, uh, that we control our own destiny, rather than trust in the work that Jesus did for us on the cross. Peter didn't understand this because Jesus hadn't yet completed his work fully, but soon Peter will understand. Let's jump back in verse nine. Simon Peter said to him, this is after God said, hey, if I don't wash your feet, you got nothing in me, buddy. Uh, Simon Peter said to him, Jesus, uh, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed, oh, I lost it. The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are completely clean. Now, Jesus was actually doing the act of washing Peter's feet. He was actually washing Peter's feet. But for us, uh, this foot washing is also symbolic of our sins being washed away uh, once and for all through the work that Jesus did on the cross. Jesus' sacrifice cleansed every sin of those who believe in him once and for all. Uh, we are spiritually clean if we are in him. He did the washing, and he, it only took him once. Now, Peter has spent time with Jesus. He knows the deal, okay? He knows that, that Jesus doesn't just do things just to do them. There is a point. If Jesus gets down and starts washing our feet, he's not doing it because, just because. There's a reason here, okay? Uh, Peter, uh, he goes from one extreme to the other. At first, we see he's like, no, you're not washing my feet. You'll never wash my feet. And then the next thing you know, he says, well, I want you to give me a whole bath. I want you to do it all. If you, Peter's everywhere. If you don't watch him, he's liable to cut somebody's ear off here in a minute, you know. 
And so, spoiler alert. But Jesus is teaching him here, okay? Jesus is teaching Peter, Peter, you are clean. Completely clean in me. And the same is still true for us. You are completely clean if you are in Him. We are completely clean. We just need to knock some of the dirt off of them feet because our feet still get a little dirty from time to time because uh, we are still human. Okay, We still live in a broken world and we still have daily struggles with sin. Um, but the great news is uh, we need to be reminded often just like Peter is reminded uh, here that if we are in Him, we are clean. Jesus is still in the foot washing business. That's what Rhett, uh, Rhett McGowan, another one of my elders, texted me earlier this week. Just a simple text. Jesus is still washing our feet, brother. And he is. And I appreciate that. He's still washing my feet. I, couldn't, I can't do the work. I can't wash my own feet. Jesus has to do the washing. Peter doesn't understand uh, that he can't do the work. Jesus has to wash Peter's feet. The question is, uh, in what ways are we trying to do the work ourselves? In what ways do we go through our day-to-day, our week-to-week, month-to-month, and we're checking this box, this box, and that box. We're trying to do the work. At the end of the day, we're trying to wash our own feet. Jesus must do the washing. We can't. We cannot wash our own feet. I think another thing, another point that Jesus is teaching us here, kind of a big deal, is to serve one another with humility and love. We're going to look at uh, verses 12 through 17. It says, When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly. Now, that's a double truly right there. I think that means, hey, I'm fixing to say something. You need to listen. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Okay. Uh, now, I told you I was saved as an 11-year-old boy in a small uh, missionary Baptist church, and the church that I went to, we still had foot washing services. Uh, and so it would usually be on a Sunday night. Uh, a couple of times a year, I would usually skip those Sunday nights uh, because I don't really want to wash somebody else's feet. I don't really wash my feet too regular, but uh, I sure don't want to wash somebody else's. I can't imagine washing feet back in Jesus' day. I mean, think about it. Hobbit feet. Uh, these, guys, these guys don't wear socks. They don't have toenail clippers. They're walking everywhere they go in dirt. It's, uh, uh, I can't imagine it. But Jesus is teaching us to serve one another. Amen. He is teaching that the, the, the men who will be sent out to lead his church, to start his church, when he is gone, this is how you ought to act. Love one another. Serve one another. Uh, humbly serving in love. Remember, uh, Jesus gathered them up because the end is near. There's not much time for instruction. And so uh, he's, he's basically telling, telling his boys, you need to do as I have done to you. Follow my example. Serve one another uh, in love and humility. Do just as I have done to you. 
uh, I said in 16, it's a, it's a double truly there, truly squared, uh, which tells me that, that what comes behind it holds certain weight. Uh, he says, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Okay, uh, I'm sending you guys out with my message. You're not the point. My message is the point. Go out and love and serve one another. That is the message that I'm giving to you. Uh, uh, now, now go. Jesus, uh, who truly is the biggest deal around, you know, he is the, the description of him in the first of these verses, uh, tells you uh, Jesus is a big deal. He is the point. Uh, and so if anybody needed to be served, it was him. Uh, but he humbled himself and served those around him in love and humility. This is not the first time that uh, this topic has come up with these fellas, okay? We're going to turn to Luke, uh, Luke chapter 22 right now, and we're going to read about another incident uh, where they're having a kind of a similar conversation. Luke 22, picking up in verses 24 through 26. Uh, an argument kind of breaks out about who, hey, who's the biggest deal around, you know? A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. They all, they're, all, they're all arguing, and, and they want to know who is the greatest, who is the, who is the biggest deal, who has the most status, uh, which one of us is the most powerful, who gets to sit closest to you. Because that matters. That matters, right? Uh, I am sure glad that we do not act this way, right? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Maybe we do act this way sometimes. Uh, at least I know I act this way. Um, you don't want to walk into a room and realize that you're the lowest. You're the least, right? No, 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 no. We want to have some status. Uh, not even realizing most of the time that that I do this. Uh, I'll find myself, every room I walk into, I'm sizing up that room. I'm looking around that room, pointing out the status, okay? I'm not as, uh, I might not be as good as him or him or her, but I'm definitely better than them, you know? So, and if I pointed at you just then, that was inadvertent, inadvertent. Uh, but so I'll size up a room and I quickly uh, be lift myself up from the bottom. At least I, I, I'm not looking for who's the greatest, really. I'm looking for who's the lowest so that I realize who I'm higher than because I'll puff myself up easily. I, I, I'm better than some is what my mind tells me. Uh, I hate that about myself. I hate it. I should be looking at every room that I walk into as an opportunity uh, to share the message of Jesus. Right? We should all Wherever we are, see it as an opportunity to share Jesus. But most times when I walk into a place, uh, I'll have my messenger flag waving, you know, my rally flag above my head. Hey, I'm the messenger. I'm here. I'm a big deal. I have the message, by the way. Uh, but the message is clear, and the message is so much greater than we are, than I am. Uh, we should humbly, uh, what are we to do with this, this message? Humbly love and serve one another. That's what Jesus did over and over and over. He humbly loved and served his own. So the question that we need to ask ourselves, how are you humbly serving those around you? 
That's a hard one for me to answer. It's rhetorical. Don't answer aloud. Uh, in our church's mission statement here, Troy Church, our mission statement, we say that we want to be a church that loves like Jesus and looks like Troy. What can we do as a church to serve the way that Jesus teaches? He ends these verses uh, with this. And then Jesus said, If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Then he dropped the mic. So he's telling his he's telling his boys, listen, the, the end is near. The time is my time is at hand. Come to be with the Father. You're going to be starting my church. This is how you ought to do. Do just as I have done to you. Okay. Now that you have seen this, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Now that we know these things, blessed are we if we do them. Let's pray. Pray with me.